0: That's
1: Welcome to the Space Cave. It sounds like we're high in the mountains today. Birds singing, creek off in the distance, nice and peaceful, relaxing time for a chat. Big warg to all of you. And before we get started, uh, just a quick thank you to those of you who've ordered screen prints or DVD copies of One-Headed Beast from either thespacecave.com or davidhuntsberger.com. And if you go to davidhuntsberger.com, currently, right there on the front page, is um, a way that you can watch the fully animated version of One-Headed Beast for only 99 cents. So if you have a dollar, you want to watch some cool animation, you can even hear some audio of me telling jokes behind it if that's something of interest to you. All right, let's get started with uh, part two of a great chat, one that I thoroughly enjoyed with Dequance on the snappy, Mr. Daniel Quance. So yeah, we were talking about, uh, part of me feels, to a certain degree, like when I have an idea and then it mm-hmm. gets done, then I part of me has this feeling like resignation of going mm-hmm. like, well, they did it pretty well. Why do I even do anything? I, someone's going to do all of my ideas at some point. Yep. And it's, But I it's still kind of like the mining of like, for me, that's kind of all stand up. That's the only part of it that's interesting to me. Like, I don't think anyone's really done a bit necessarily about this. Right. Which is not the greatest territory to operate in, so to speak, because people, especially in a stand-up crowd, they re- comedy is sort of predicated on the notion of like, I'm familiar with this line of thinking. Oh, I have kids. Oh, oh, I've been on dates. Oh, okay. I'm right, you here. can't be
2: too far afield.
1: Yeah, you can't be too, you know, if you're starting to talk about anything that's maybe outside of the normal, and that's why people reference things like lowest common denominator and or like, oh, you know, your CBS sitcoms with the multi like, got yeah, that joke. Yeah. You're on the couch tonight, buddy. She's not going to have sex with you for a month. Yeah. You know, those kind of things that people are like, it conditions us by what we see to then our behavior reflects it, to then we want to see more of that. Mm. And so part of me feels like, yeah, maybe not having ideas or feeling so compelled to get them out there. And it, the thing to me that maybe reinforces that the most is when you go scrolling through all the different platforms to see just how many things have been made where you're like, <laughs> if I were to read the description, even of the bad ones that are at the like deep dark end of Netflix, yeah, where you're like really scrolling like, what is this? Right. And then you read the description. You're like, oh, that, that's an idea some of my friends have had. I've heard them talk about it.
2: I mean, I think that the if you're going for novelty, if that's what you're trying, if that's the point of whatever creative thing you're doing is mm-hmm. novelty, then you are definitely setting yourself up for disappointment because it's so hard to make sure that you're doing something that no one else has done. Yeah. And I think the mistake I made with my thinking about my story was thinking of it as something that was novel. And it really wasn't. The whole point was I'm doing the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, <laughs> there's nothing less novel than that, literally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, instead of like, going, ah, oh, fuck, just lean into what it is and say, no, this is what it is and, you know, it's gonna be fun. Trust me, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to be into that but I'm gonna make it. You know, especially in TV, yeah, You. You. you, you know, I would go, you talk about, like, your friends had an idea. And, and and I think you learn when you're in this industry that, um yes, of course, every idea, like, ideas are not, they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, I went, I remember going back uh, to a funeral back east and my second cousin was telling me, oh, you know, she's like, you should do a story about... Um, all of the hockey moms in the hockey rink because of course her kids are all doing hockey and yeah. she's like you wouldn't believe the drama and it's like <laughs> that's
1: what being a comedian is though all the time just You're people telling re- you hey, keep an eye on our family you could probably yeah. get some material here I mean, we- right
2: and it's similar with a comedian because so much of of it is your voice and your point of view which is the comedy and mm. you know not necessarily coming up with a new topic although it's you know you yeah you want to find a niche for yourself or whatever but it, it's like in TV, it's 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 about the execution of it, you know. Yeah, another, yeah it's another f- show about a family. Yeah, you know, it's just that's all it is. It's not some novel thing. It's just really well done. And so when you realize, yeah, it's about how you do it. It's not the cleverness, yeah. uh, you know. That and it's sort of. And, uh, I've had to like do this thing where I work on my ego in order to be productive as a writer, you know? Yeah. And to just go like, if I'm writing to uh, make people think of me a particular way or writing to make people think I'm clever or brilliant or whatever, it's going to be the worst shit in the world. (laughs) It's going to be so bad. I just can't be creative that way. So I've got to like put all of those notions aside. And that includes, I guess it includes like worrying about whether something because I've done that with other things where I where I was working on something and then I threw it away because someone else beat me to the punch on something and then it, five years later, it's like, I fucking should have done that. Yeah, You know, like I had a, a whole like Lucha Libre script I was working on for a long time and it was like, and this was years ago and it was like all about this sort of Mexican magical realism interspersed with Lucha Libre and all this stuff and, and then Nacho Libre came out <laughs> and I was like oh fuck it you know and it was like why did I give up on that that could have been I could have made it two years later no one would have cared
1: when I was in college I <clears throat> wrote on the like an outline for this thing and then I, I I mean I just in Microsoft Word started writing a script I knew nothing about how to write in the format of but I would just it would be like in quotes then this yeah. guy says this yeah. and then skip down you know and I started doing comedy and I sent it to a friend of mine that, I, that was a good writer that had been self-publishing his own magazine and distributing it and getting ad sales, like a hustler guy, but really funny. And we ended up becoming friends because that my sister brought that magazine to me in Colorado. I was at a show in San Diego. I saw someone doing a bit that I recognized from this little self-published magazine. Uh-huh. And I, I stopped him after his set. I go, hey man, in my mind thinking like, you stole that from this magazine. And I go, Uh, where'd you get this thing? Or like, do you know? I said, do you know who this is? And he goes, oh, that's one of my pen names. And I go, he wrote it. He wrote the thing. And I go, you have a guy from this magazine. And we became friends after that. It was one of the most bizarre, like friend, and we're still friends now. But he's someone like, I really respected as a writer. And I sent him this idea Mm -hmm. called, there were a, a variety of titles. Uh, one was called The Oldest Virgin, and the other one was called The 30-Year-Old Virgin. Uh, yeah. And then he goes, that's a dumb idea. And then a year later, <laughs> I just get this link, and he goes, I'm an idiot. And it was to like the movie coming out, in the trailer. Oh, I know. And I thought, like it didn't upset me, though. I just thought, like oh, I'm
2: young. Well, part and, yeah, part of it is also, like sometimes you do need to throw it away. Like Sometimes <laughs> you can't do it, but like not banking your whole future on one idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's the other part of it. It's just like, okay, you know... D- I'll just pivot. Um, I know I had an idea for a sitcom and we were me and my writing partner at the time were were going to take a stab at it. And for various reasons, we didn't we didn't actually finish it. But it was I was so excited about it. And it was I had been watching a lot of um, <laughs> L.A. city council meetings, <laughs> which who doesn't? It's the best. It's. The, I, would just, I would record them. I would just sit there and. Just, oh you god! There's so many things that are that are entertaining about it. The grandstanding of the the city council members. There's one guy in particular. Um, I'm blanking on his name. He was uh, like Hollywood area forever. I'm his he had like a French last name was just, he was like, what if Bill Clinton was at city council, <laughs> you know, and he would show up at like, Hey, we're going to a Croatian film festival at this tiny little, f-. and he'd show up, you know, and he would just like shake everybody's hand. Like no one fucking knows who he is. I just thought it was so funny. This idea of like, um, not just like the politicians that are on the lowest level of government, yeah. but the people who are engaging with them. And that's really where the rubber meets the road with government. And, and then, uh, but my writing partner, I don't think he really got. Or he he didn't see what I saw as being funny, and he he saw other things, you know. But I I don't know that we were quite on the same frequency with it, and it just died. And then like two years later, Parks and Recreation came out, and it ah. was. And, and actually, I wasn't upset. I was just like, "Yep, I was right. Like mm-hmm. that is a great venue for a comedy. They did it way better than I ever would have." I mean, they're so talented. That's how I
1: felt when you see an idea that is done. Where you're like, "Cause it, your story that you see the comic coming out, and you go." I still think mine has merit. I I still think I want to tell my story. I think that's the only difference. If you're, if you're only trying to navigate into like this deep, dark cave and the moment any illumination comes in, like, well, no longer a mystery. Got to get out of this cave. Whoa. whoa, It's just a little light.
2: And part of that is, is, is just confidence in, in your voice as being something that's enough. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm me telling a story is enough. The story doesn't have to be like the, a story no one's ever told before
1: and you're working in this very niche sort of area and in right. your mind you're like when i go to put this out everyone's gonna know no one's gonna know and no not, that's that's also know. the the like i think that's probably the logic that thieves thank you for use. that
2: i appreciate it. no it's <laughs> true that's what, that's what
1: thieves do as well yeah. like oh, i could steal i could steal this i could not only like do my own thing that's in the same area, uh, I could just directly steal it and people still wouldn't know. They still wouldn't know. But we, and it, comics do that all the time. Like, right. ah, I, I had this bit or I had this tagline or whatever that was similar to, all the comics are going to know. And you're like, yeah, I guess word will get back and you have to operate from that It feels like in
2: comedy that's an a thing that's enforced.
1: For sure, if someone gets it, you know, down on an album or on a taping or something like that, we're like, that's their thing. Yeah. But I've had friends that used a bit that I sent them said hey I just so you know I have a very similar thing right and they still went ahead and used it and I'm like I don't care but I I do think hmm. the, the there has to be sort of a a tipping of the cap or a general like, hey, is this okay? Yeah,
2: yeah. The courtesy.
1: Yeah. I've seen it come out on Twitter before where some third party person goes, this person and then the two comedians both see it and go, We're friends. We each just you know it's just parallel thinking. No big deal.
2: That's actually something I've been thinking about a little bit lately, which is um this idea, you know, more and more that's happening because we're all kind of thinking and, and watching the same things and checking the same Twitter feeds and seeing. And with, with all the craziness of the political climate, I feel I am not allowing myself uh, to look at the corners of the world that everyone else isn't already looking at. Yeah, You know, there, there's this feeling of there's a four alarm fire. I have to watch the fire. Everyone else is also watching the fire. So my source for ideas is no longer going to be coming from Places that I've mined in my own free time because I don't spend that free time there anymore. I spend that free time just screaming (laughs) you know like oh my god and um it worries me creatively a little bit because so many of the things that have inspired me over the years have come from just like i'm gonna just start pursuing this crazy interest that no one else has and see where it leads me and i just don't do that anymore you know (laughs) and and i and and i have been thinking like i need to carve that time out now and just yeah yeah i was thinking like if you say, um, well, that's what the, you know, they want everyone to feel panicked all the time, and so you have to not do that. I was thinking, yeah, that's like saying that guy who has the gun pointed at your family, he wants you to be panicked and scared about your family, so don't do it. It's like, yeah, but he's still pointing a gun at my family. Yeah, I can't just ignore it. So it's a real challenge to 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 say like, okay, I'm gonna. How much time can I unplug before I feel this desperate need to go back and find out if the world's blowing up?
1: That whole conversation that gets brought, you know, people, I would hear the comedians say this all the time when the election was in the process. People go, I don't want Trump to win, but if he does, it'll be great for comedy. And I would just get so upset. I mean, like Because there's that feeling like that. that's what art does. Art as a whole, like it starts really tearing, the, it starts to shed a light on the inequities or the yeah. the evils of this. And I feel, and people, you know, the word gets tossed around a lot, but like privilege. And I feel like yeah. art comes from a very privileged place a lot of times. Where
2: Especially like, if you look at the history of art. You, but you have to feel that you're privileged. If, yeah. you,
1: if you're a tortured prisoner and you, like, I, I've heard someone say this on one of the Inside the Actor Studios, where he's like, if I have my paints, I'll paint. If you take those away from me, I'll draw on the dirt. If you take away my stick and lock me in prison, I'll prick blood out of my finger and I'll draw on the wall. Mm-hmm it's because you have to feel like your spirit is free and you're allowed to have silly weird thoughts and also be aware that like, well, you know, if you're a rich kid and you do that, people go, you're so unaware of all the inequities and all the suffering and you go true. But I also donated a bunch of money. I go down and spend my time. But when I'm not there, when the family's, when my, the gun's not being pointed at my family or when it is, and I can just take a moment, I go to escape to this place that makes me feel alive, makes right. me feel happy. Yeah. I think that's what we're all trying to find, but it's really tough now. It's,
2: it's, it's just getting harder and harder. It takes a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting.
1: Because I'll see videos, and it'll be something really creative, and I'll go, oh, man, who had who was out there just thinking of creative stuff during this and then in the end you find out like oh they're from Sweden <laughs> these were people that like weren't encumbered by all the constant dread that we all have where if you saw right. someone doing creative stuff there'd be a part of you like hey you know there was a vote last week we could have used you. a
2: lot of people are just worried about trying to survive and it's hard to create art if you're in a constant state of trying to survive I I think I, I watched the Vietnam the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary recently have you, have you seen that? no Highly recommend it Uh, Really really great And one of the um, One of the things I I thought about a lot Was how At that time You know It was such a time Of you know Turmoil There's war But there's all sorts Of other things going on And um, there was Out of that Came so much great music And art I mean it was such a rich time In our culture At the same time As all this horrible shit Was going on There's really Amazing art happening And Um, When you say, oh yeah, you know, Trump gets elected, you know, art's going to get great or comedy's going to get great. And you're like, where is that? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there were so many great anthems and protest songs and things at that time. Where is that music happening? I mean, I'm willing to admit that me, a fucking old man, (laughs) I'm just not plugged into it, you know, so perhaps it's out there and I don't see it, but like, I just don't see that the culture rising up to meet the moment.
1: Oh, I think you're... I talked with Jeff Fox about this,
2: yeah. our boy. Yeah.
1: Because from the punk rock scene. And he was like, I think to a certain degree, the punk scene is like, yeah, we've been saying this for years.
2: A little bit, yeah.
1: You know, corporate oppression and all this. What's and, new you know. about this, yeah, right? Yeah, this is, this is the thing we've railed against from the beginning, so... I, on one of the episodes I played this song by First Aid Kit It was the only song as far as I know that was very like uh, fuck you Brock Turner you're a rapist you're not a swimmer you're a, a terrible person oh. but they're they're from Sweden like the, uh, the In the Name of Love one of the only MLK songs or at least like very famous songs from yeah. U2 an Irish band why were they the ones that kind of lifted up this moment
2: well I'm wondering you know so I it's interesting yeah I mean I'm wondering if if maybe that music has to come from the outsiders so called you Mm -hmm. know the people that are um, not part of the establishment so you can't have like a Jim Morrison today you can't have that white dude from UCLA make his art band pop you know have that music it's gotta come from I
1: think if Jack White did something people would kind of maybe
2: but I think that like like the Childish Gambino video
1: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, this is America I mean that's maybe the one thing I've seen where I'm like okay and maybe that's what it is. Maybe the, maybe the moment isn't about Trump. Maybe the moment is about you know, uh, Black Lives Matter. And it's about people saying, hey, our lives are not disposable. And we're going ma- to have you s- listen to our point of view now. Yeah. And our point of view isn't going to make you feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to be angry and it's going to be uncomfortable for you. And you're just going to have to fucking listen. Yeah. And so it's not going to be these rousing anthems for you. Yeah, and so maybe for that reason I'm not hearing it because I am you know a middle aged white guy. Yeah, um, it could be. and it's just like it's not my moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I hope so. I mean, I think that um I, I that video is just like there's a visceral quality that I think everybody picked up on, and so I think uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll make it <laughs> under a <laughs> pseudonym.
1: Yeah, I feel like there must be artists that their performance or other just artists in general that feel like. That thing you're talking about, like it's slipping through their hands. Like I'm not capturing this. Right. I think what Sasha Baron Cohen has been doing. I haven't oh. watched the show, but I mean that you haven't. It. No. And I love him. I love the Ollie, the Ollie G show.
2: It's so fucking good. I've. I've I, I, I,
1: I know who has Showtime. No one has.
2: Show I have Showtime show because I, I subscribed for Twin Peaks, and then as they were hoping I would do. I actually deliberately did not unsubscribe in order to encourage them to do another season of <laughs> Twin Peaks. That's how narcissistic I am. Um, I, they're paying attention to whether I'm... But like, so I have it, and I'm like, I have been watching the Sasha, and it is, I was just saying this to Allison last night, like, I don't know why this isn't the only thing anyone's ever, that anyone's talking about. The, every single episode has something in it that I'm thinking about all week. yeah. It but is. They do it in the crazy. best
1: way. People, and it gets really frustrating watching people on Twitter and or on stage rail to a group of like-minded people. Going, okay, yeah, that's a good point, and the idea that like that's not funny it's not artistic the artistic thing to do is go pretend to be like this Palestinian (laughs) I'm an Israeli soldier guy and then lure someone into shouting the n-word and pulling their pants down like that guy he's
2: being a mirror he's like giving them first of all he's giving them the thing they think is real yeah which couldn't is absurd (laughs) to anyone who knows you know it's like the liberal character that he plays I mean only people who are so into that conservative mindset could believe that this person is even real. Yeah. You know, (laughs) in order to sit there with this guy. Yeah. You know, or, you know, whatever character. And there's that aspect of it where Dick Cheney's not kicking the the Israeli dude out immediately, you know, and is signing a waterboarding kit. Um, He had... uh, I mean, fuck, dude. I, I don't want to spoil it for people. I just... People should fucking watch this but show. Yeah,
1: that's so. We were talking about your idea and like, no, but no. And if he were, if someone, if he were ripping off someone else's show, right? We don't really know. Now that he's ripping it off, but they go, oh, you know. Uh, so my friend Harmon Leon, who is on this show, mm-hmm. his show at the Fringe every year, he infiltrates. He goes in, and he's been a part of like the.
2: He's like not on the on the schedule.
1: He is a dude with dreads. He's not on there. He's not in anywhere even close to their Venn diagrams overlapping at all. And he just tucks his hair up under a hat. And he's been a part of the Oath Keepers. He's been at like church services where they do like the tongues thing. And he's been at a this crazy religious haunted house where uh hell hell house, hell house. She's having an abortion. She's going to hell. She's good. He's been a part of that. And like one of the members like involved with the the crew. I mean, he's really been involved in some of these scenes, but just hasn't had the light shined in the same way. hasn't had the exposure. Maybe, maybe the ingredient that's missing. Like we're talking about that finger that just points like this one, because their ideas are very similar, but his ability to, to draw it out, to bring it out. It's unreal, Sasha Baron Cohen, like his ability to just take you I right was in there.
2: Just listening to an interview with Sasha as himself and he he was talking about how he went to cl- he studied clowning in France with some guy who's like the biggest clowning guy. In, I don't know. He was talking about the this is on Marin's show. Mm-hmm. Plugged in fucking competitors. <laughs> but you don't want to listen to that. Listen yeah, to this. You do. Yeah, sure. Lots of good podcasts. So you, everyone there. has enough time. Um, yeah look it up It's a good interview And uh, He's talking about Buffon Versus clowning mm-hmm. And Buffon Is a style That comes out of The outcast What we are t- just talking about And how um, It was an angry Type of uh, Mimicry That the outcast Cast people who were literally outcast from from a society they were literally forced to live in the woods outside mm-hmm. of a city were were allowed once a year to come in this is during the middle ages <laughs> to come in and do a play and they would like angrily you know make fun of the burgomeister or the king or whoever and and uh you know these would be like dwarves or just people who jews you mm-hmm. know and um and it's like that's what sasha's doing yeah but it's also informed by clowning which is this sort of um Need to make you laugh, yeah, and I think that it's that combination that makes it work for him, you know. And, and you go, yeah, that he studied that, so he's there's a consciousness of what he's doing too. Um, but I I love the idea of being very conscious about your the, how angry you are, you know, and that this is not like I I know what I'm. It's sort of the Colbert thing, you know, where Colbert was, you know, he was silly, but he also understood his point of view yeah. and his point of view was I'm, I I'm angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: The, I mean, the, I watched a comedian for me. That's always the medium. It comes back to mm-hmm. where did people pursue it from? Were they able to be so silly and cartoonish that you could feel that rage simmering underneath it? But the crowd was howling with laughter, but also going like, Oh man, <laughs> this I really have to think about this as opposed to just like clapping and nodding and yep yes I agree with this right. yes which is kind of what it's turned into
2: it's
1: and more, yeah so much it's days. so much of just like I'm on your side those are good points and uh, there was this guy that got up and he was an atheist and he was just just full of rage just yelling things where the crowd was just like he was in Austin and he was treating it as if he was in like the heart of the Bible belt and he was like converting people like the
2: wrong audience for yeah this. everyone's yeah. just
1: sitting like dude we're I mean, mostly like-minded people here, or right. at least open to hearing your perspective. Right. But you're just, yeah, so you didn't go out in the forest and figure out a way to be like, oh, I'm mad that they kicked me out, but I do still want, I'm aware of it. How can I go in and yeah. get them to pay attention to my play? Those finer things of like what artists really do, like, oh, I painted this, right? but like I painted little subtle things in here. I right. painted things that- I'm
2: gonna, Or I'm gonna challenge you to laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put you in a position where either you learn to be humble and laugh at yourself or dig your heels in. Either way, I win. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Because I think that the ability, you know, this thing where, you know, American comedy for, you know all these years after World War II was dominated by Jews, you know, it's like, it's no coincidence that American Jews turned to comedy after the Holocaust. You think, my God, something so horrible, you can either just be overwhelmed by this horror or you can learn to laugh as a way of coping with it, right? Mm. And, And I think that like, that ability is very healing and it's very good for people. And so to challenge people to laugh, you say, Hey, stop taking yourself so goddamn seriously. You know, <laughs> like if everyone stopped taking themselves so fucking seriously in this culture, wouldn't it be a better society right now?
1: I think, and we have this discussion a lot, but as far as just sense of humor, yeah, like Jewish people are kind of of any age, usually pretty funny. Old Jewish guys, Mel Brooks and it's right. so funny. Uh, Southern black women, Particularly when they're so like, fucking fu- dude, so funny. dude. I was
2: at the Apple Store uh, this weekend, and there were these two older black women, and they were and they were talking to a uh, Apple Genius, who was and it was like they were so just naturally funny, mm-hmm. and just I was just like, fuck, man, like <laughs> I I want to just turn to them and be like. You guys just made my day you're, this, like, this was so enjoyable listening to the the it, they were trying to be funny I mean they were they were trying they were making jokes, and they were talking about you know she one woman was like and these are like older ladies she 's like, oh, all these guys in here are too short you know and and it 's too bad because i 'm like so horny and everything and you 're just like <laughs> you 're saying that out loud it was i don 't know it, it, there are there are certain cultures that I think just and again like black people have had enough horror that the
1: irish that was gonna be the yeah, yeah like
2: cultures where there 's been trauma mm-hmm. collective trauma well no doubt they're going to be funnier yeah you know uh yeah there's something it's funny like comedy kind of comes from that in a way like
1: what about art like i mean i, I don't know why it turns into you're suddenly like the but i think everyone has feelings that now that you're like my go-to expert guy i'm like
2: <laughs> no you're an art historian no i am <laughs> i am but when you I, get I got a perfect it. score on the AP art history class. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, so I know.
1: Okay, uh, when you when you're writing, when you sit down to write things, you know I think that like when Moonlight came out and it made people feel like, oh, there are stories that haven't been told oh isn't it great it it felt amazing it felt like oh yeah let's stop with people going into pitch rooms like what about a guy who uh i don't know maybe he's got a truck that won't stop or
2: (laughs) honestly you know like i know this is going to sound what do they what do they call it virtue signaling it's so all these phrases that are so annoying it's like oh but like i remember thinking this when sophia coppola was starting to make her movies Mm. and thinking you know lost in translation is probably the best example of this and i just think here is a movie that is so. This could only have been told in this way by a woman. Mm-hmm. It it was it was just very it was very female, in the best way. It's a, I love that movie, mm-hmm. but it was like no, this is not a guy's point of view. Yeah, this is just not a man's point of view. This is a woman's point of view on this story, and it's great and it's refreshing. And then lately, you know, you have so much. That's coming out, you know, like not just Moonlight, but you have, it, you know, Atlanta, you have Insecure on HBO. You have so many more voices who haven't had an opportunity and the stuff feels vibrant and it feels fresh. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, how many times do I have to see? I mean, as a white guy who wants to tell stories, you know, I'm, I understand that, like, my point of view is not as fresh as, uh, you know, it, it's been it's out there. I'm not going to have something that's going to feel like oh my God, what is this? So I guess I'm arguing against my own you know, <laughs> having a career here, but no, it's like, but I, I love it. I love, why aren't people embracing this more? It just feels like that's where the energy is in art right now.
1: I completely agree. All the shows you named, I, I thought, saw Ladybird recently, yeah. similar kind of thing where like just the, it, the emotion of it, you know, I think people mm-hmm. have talked about before like a lot of women are editors yeah. and like Patton had this joke about like men just go out there and they shoot film as if they're like, you know, ejaculating, like, ah, more, more film, look how much film I got rid of. And then the lady's like, all right, sport, there you go. (laughs) Let's go ahead and see what you did. And then this capturing, and like, okay, this is a story now. And I think there's something to that, but I also think just like women behind the lens, more access to more emotional depth.
2: Watch the first three episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. They were directed by an unbelievably talented, uh, cinematographer turned director, Reed Morano. She's just, I, I don't, She's fucking brilliant, and mm-hmm. and again, like Sofia Coppola, like this is a point of view that feels really, really fresh. Now, it's also just she's really super talented, but but the way she chooses to direct a scene, you know, I, I think part of it is like most people don't know how to. I even people in this industry, frankly, don't know what good directing is. Mm-hmm. Like they they wouldn't know like why if this is well directed or not. Uh, a lot of times they're, they're pointing to cinemat things that have nothing to do with the with the director, right? Yeah. But you know what that what a director does is is they choose how to shoot it, how where to put the camera, how, where to put the emphasis, and you know all these things. And and there are scenes in *The Handmaid's Tale* that that are some of the... one in particular, one scene that I think is maybe the best directed scene I may ever have seen in TV. And mm-hmm. um, it's a scene that's all about restraining you from the moment it's not showing you the thing that's happening it's it's keeping you in a person's frame of mind it's getting you into their their emotional head their emotional life and they're not the focus of the action in the scene and it's perfect yeah and and you just go like thank god thank god we have this happening right now you know um yeah i just i'm just agreeing with you god damn it (laughs) i have no point
1: yeah i think i think people can i I overheard this girl the other day talking about how she dating was not going to happen for her because of X Y and Z. Mm-hmm. And I thought oh, that's really weird. She's just listing things like, yeah, it's just it's just harder for me and I'm just and I thought like, if you just walk around the city and watch some of the couples that are together, there's very little rhyme or reason. And I think people <laughs> from the outside would be like, oh, you come to LA, it's just all supermodel couples. Yeah. It's not, it's people of varying heights, weights, ages, ethnicities, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go like, yeah, people, what are you going to do? Yeah. And hearing herself kind of take herself out of the equation. Oh, that's interesting. I thought, that's really weird. And a lot of people I think artistically do that of, oh, well, you know, my point of view now is not as fresh or new and you know, yeah. you kind of get just down on yourself or go, well, yeah, I just have to, I have to like step it up and make sure that it's a story worth telling
2: Right, and what is it that you feel like you have to... Someone once told me a good way to think about it is, and the way he liked to think about it was, if someone told you right now that you had to get on stage and talk for an hour about something, Mm -hmm. what would you talk about? Yeah. And like whatever that is, whatever that thing that you would have to... That's where you should sort of steer your art because that's where the energy and interests are going to be. You know, Instead of trying to think... When I, I was a reader for so many years in development and production and like every script. this is like mid 90s so you know keep that in mind but it's like every fucking script was die hard in a you know blank yeah and it, it just everything is so derivative of shit just so derivative it's like that's because those people are just trying to make stuff they think producers are going to want to buy yeah but the things you love the movies you love i'm sure came from people who were just like, no, nope, I just want to tell this crazy <laughs> story, you know, eternal sunshine or something like yeah. that's not like anything else. And it, uh, if they had thought that way, we wouldn't have it. And, um, you just kind of have to go, yeah, what is that thing that I would, I would want to talk about? And then I'm just gonna write about. It. And then, it, then you know what, if, if my point of view is like, you know, middle-aged white guy, isn't something people care about that I'm okay. As long as I can, as long as I can write it and make it, and I can satisfy myself in other ways as an artist or whatever. Uh, then I'm going to be okay with that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to like begrudge anybody else their their success. You know.
1: That's. I mean, that's going back to what I was saying before, where I every now and again we'll take a peek back through comics I've drawn or animations or something like that, mm-hmm. and then just be like, I I can see why people don't like this, but, <laughs> but at the time I loved it and I'm yeah. glad I made it. It it was just solely for me to make, it. and that's always been my favorite art. Where like what made you do that? Like, I don't know. I just liked it. I just thought it was funny or I thought it was cool. I just wanted to draw it or craft it or sculpt it, whatever. I just wanted to make that thing.
2: There it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's what drives me these days. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, now, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever uh, for the last couple of years, it's only been like non writing stuff. So I've really haven't been writing for a few years. I've been like sculpting and just random shit. The you know?
1: <laughs> things you showed me though, I've really walked out of there being like that. I just loved it. That oh, you just, thanks. Like, just, like, it just seemed, and granted, like you could probably trace the steps to a certain degree. You could mm-hmm. go into your mind and be like, oh, well, you like Twin Peaks. And yeah. then you, you, when you thought like, I'm going to sculpt some stuff. But for me as an outsider, yeah. I was just blown away. Like who would think of that? <laughs> who would think to like make this little thing that you made? I just Like the
2: totem? The totem, yeah. yeah I thought it
1: was so cool. And it yeah, was the, really well done like the relief and everything and the perspective is just I thought like the the care and the time that goes into that
2: there there's something so satisfying about that became this weird obsessive thing where it's like I need to teach myself how to sculpt and then it was like I couldn't do anything else mm-hmm. and it was like well this is a real waste of time because <laughs> this isn't going to lead me to any revenue stream anywhere down the line I'm starting from zero so I mean, you know by the time I would even, even if I did by the time I would get any good at this it's gonna be but nevertheless it's like I couldn't think of anything other than so I was just sculpting little random things and I made these like during the election I made like a little Hillary and a little Trump you know and <laughs> and uh and I sold some of them and people were so nice they bought them and it was and I thought they were, that was a lot of fun and so I just kept going and I don't know like now I still do it and it's
1: So then it became a revenue stream. Well,
2: I I, I needed to pay for the material. (laughs) I was spending a (laughs) lot of money on like resin and and silicon and stuff like that. I will
1: say that dudes typically, if you go out to a park and there are a bunch of guys flying around, you know, not drones, but like old planes, you know, RC radio controlled planes, it's dudes. And they're making, you know, little (laughs) model airplanes or whatever. There's a natural thing there that I think is a little bit. This the bizarre hobbies. I think everyone has I am hobbies. definitely
2: drawn to bizarre. Oh, this is another... Now, So talking about like having an idea stolen... Now, this is not that exactly, but it was like while I was sculpting, I was like, the thing that I want to do, the, the goal of this for me is, is I want to make automatons. Like, I, you know, like those coin-operated things from the turn of the last century. It, there's even... A, there's some museums that have these things where you put in a nickel... And there's a scene mm-hmm. And it's all motorized yeah, And like yeah. things happen and shit There's one that I saw Where it was like um, A guy drinks And then he goes to bed And when he leans back in the bed The devil comes out of the closet And then when he leans up It goes back in the closet You know And it's just like the spirits Of the hangover or whatever It's like I want to make these things And then I found there's a guy His, his Instagram handle is HackSynthRobo <laughs> H-A-X-A-N-T-H And he's so amazing and he's doing the thing that I was, that I was imagining, but like so much better. I mean, he's been doing it for 30 years and he has a machine shop and he makes these things. And it's just like, these are just these incredible pieces of art. And I just go, well, he's already doing it. (laughs) But
1: that's, it goes back to what we were talking about. Like sometimes when you have an idea and you either don't have the time or the patience or the skill, Mm -hmm. When when you see that someone else has done it, yeah. it's just such a good
2: feeling. It is. It is like I'm just obsessed with the dude. I don't yeah. I don't begrudge. I'm, I'm like a huge fan. You How know?
1: dare you take this thing that I was thinking about <laughs> going to be doing one day, and then you've gotten really good at it?
2: Well, it, it, what it does, I think, what you know, the competition's good. So so back to the the, the graphic novel thing that I'm writing and. In, in, what it does is it forces me to lean into my, lean away from the things that are superficial about it mm-hmm. and more into the things that are unique. And those, those are the things that are better anyway, yeah. right? So you just go, okay, well, right. I was leaning into the, uh, you know, the the gimmick. Now I'm going to lean into the vo- my voice. Yeah. And and hopefully that's enough, you know? Um, but it's also what's better about it to me. So eh, fuck it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, y- you know yeah the the check out that guy on instagram though you'd like him
1: i uh, yeah i i mean little intricate things oh. where you just picture someone just no one's telling them to do it and they no, don't know that there's so a revenue clever. Stream. he'll
2: do he'll he'll work like pepper's ghost uh effects into it you know what that is no. so like in the haunted mansion when you see the ghosts mm-hmm. it's it's an effect called pepper's ghost where it's basically a piece of glass that's at a 45 degree angle that you can't see that's reflecting light so it looks like there's a ghost oh okay and, um, you know, he has this one where this guy is at a, at a, he's sitting in a booth and he's drinking absinthe and like this green spirit just appears and it's a physical thing right in front of your face. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so, it's so cool. Um, he'll be, work fire effects. Uh, into Where's this guy right. from? Where's he live? He's here in LA.
1: Wow. Yeah. So he's doing that thing where like, pro- and maybe out there at the protests, maybe what? is voting yeah. or maybe it's just like my world is this. Yeah. I had a friend that said, you know, talking about it and going, I, until this current regime comes to my house and knocks on my door and punches me in the face, (laughs) I've got some kids to raise and I want to be present. That's it, man. That's
2: where I want to get. That's it. Allison and I are going to take some, um, transcendental meditation classes. I've been talking about it for a while. It's like, I need to find mental peace. Yeah. And that, and like, I can't do anything about, I'll vote. You know, and, and and if there's a protest and I can get there, great. I'll do it. You know, I want to be aware of what's going on. But fuck, man, I have a I have a son to raise, you know, yeah. and I have art to create and I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm on fucking Twitter all day. It's not, a, <laughs> it's not good. So, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. You, I've, I You
2: just what? unplugged for a couple of days, didn't you? Yeah.
1: Feels great. Again, and I do it a couple times a year. And yeah. even when I'm in my own home i'll have my phone far away from me or i'll try to just i i don't have i have the instagram app on my phone i've i've barely ever post on that i'll check it out from time to time yeah the and twitter i don't have on my phone i got so sick of it so i'll like log in and look at it and just i like the the news aspect so like a couple times a day i'll check in there and be like oh this is trending oh, now I can click on different links and it's like a source to all these. That's great. But beyond that, like watching people argue or just all the vitriol that's involved in it that is utterly useless. It does have some minor impact. It does Mm -hmm. get people involved. But overall, I just, because that same feeling that you're trying to pursue of like, how do I live this happy life? I think back to like when I was younger, I remember people being like, I don't want people knowing where I am all the time or being able to get a hold of me all the time. And now it's so weird. Like, why can't I get a hold of that person?
2: There's an expectation now. If yeah. you if you text somebody and they don't text immediately back, it's like, why aren't they texting me right back? And then you
1: hang out with them and they're on their phone the entire time. And you go, well, you saw my thing and you just ignored it.
2: But then I'll get a text from somebody and just have this. It's like the same reason I don't go on Facebook or I just dread Facebook. It's like there is this uh, feeling of it's too... there's. Too much, too many ways to disappoint people, or like I just rather not touch it. You know, so I'll go, yeah. I'll wait too long to respond to people, even though there's no reason, and I like them, and I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's become very fraught.
1: Yeah, interesting. I, when you were talking about everyone eats the same food, or that's a, a phrase I heard someone else use yeah. one time. it's Just like, yeah, of course. I, I when I moved to Austin, my whole goal in comedy was to just maybe find different rooms to go search around in for ideas and uh did we didn't get tv and watch like this local music television network and then um had a lived like this little tiny a-frame house with my friend but we had this whole green belt behind us trees everywhere and just yeah. sit on the porch and watch the trees blow and then someone stole my radio out of my pickup truck so i drove around with no news no music and just was kind of trapped with my own thoughts it was very helpful. The first like bit of getting accustomed to that, rough. But then after a while, I just felt like everyone is in this two and a half men cycle mm-hmm. of just kind of patented laughs at an appropriate mm-hmm. space time. And like, yep, I can count on that punchline. Here it comes. Yeah. And I felt like they were just piggies at a trough, just all eating the same exact thing and getting upset at the same things and marching out. And Yeah.
2: I think it's sad because you think about, it's like if you always have the radio playing or the TV on then your thoughts are always being replaced by someone else's thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that time to daydream and to let your imagine, you know, I don't know, just have these, It's you've got to almost schedule it these days, even with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I do think about that too.
1: I was so lucky as a kid because I had time on a horse, you know, iPods or anything. Then right. so I mean, hours of just me and my thoughts
2: just were lying. Yeah. Lying on the grass, staring at the sky. I was so yeah. bored for so much of my life, but <laughs> you know, you, it forces you to have an imagination. It's one thing I, I think about a lot with my son. It's, it's, you know, he's growing up now with the iPhone X as the worst phone that will exist <laughs> in his lifetime. Right.
1: If it's even still a physical yeah, that exists outside of your body so it's time. like
2: he's gonna have so many like boredom won't even be a fucking thing but it's like i want it to be a thing yeah i need to make sure that he's bored a lot
1: oh man i mean do you, thinking <laughs> the projections of we talked about this the other day on, on your you and alice and show like the uh you know, things you do or do not want to have your kid do. If they get all pierced up, mm. would you be okay with that? Like, well, he's living a happy life. He's in a, a relationship with someone that loves him. Can't ask for more than that. Mm-hmm. But there will still be parts of you like, ah, oh, but I remember he's this sweet little baby. And, like, right. he's, and then thinking, though, of like the generations that watched, oh, weird, like you... So you have a phone that tracks wherever you go all the time and you're fine with that. You're just okay with people knowing where you are. I don't think any parents were fraught with, you know, or angry with angst about, oh my God. But if you could picture him being one of those kids where like the rest of the students in school are getting a little implant chip in their head or, and now they can like hologram just in their palm (laughs) and watch every video and swipe through it. Nothing physically in their pockets. It's all there. And you'd have angry conversation. Dad, let me get this. All my friends have Ugh. it. Those are such terrifying, weird, futuristic thoughts to have. But I think the real fear would be like, you won't have boredom anymore, and you that don't is need the that. fear.
2: Yeah, because like, how will you know who you are? How will you develop an imagination? Mm-hmm. You know, and have any sense of what your own voice is? Yeah. I mean, um, maybe I'm just like cranky old man here but I really do think that that's kind of how that evolves it, you know a human mind needs downtime and yeah. just to daydream and be bored and no they're gonna have like augmented reality goggles man they're gonna have like it's not even gonna be a device they're just gonna their whole world is gonna be overlaid with shit yeah. all the time I know he he's already I mean he's he's one and a half and he's already like he'll see a phone and and throw a fit if he can't <laughs> play with it and and um It terrifies me because it feels like a drug addict, Yeah, you know, and early on, you know, before we realized, oh, we got to keep the phone away from him. There were a couple, there were times when we would give him the phone and just be like, okay, we're, you know, here, go ahead and and watch a video. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he quickly learned how to use YouTube. Like,
1: yeah. I remember my nephew going up to a television screen and trying to swipe it and he could barely walk he could barely stand but he was figuring out like hey why isn't this thing swiping why isn't it
2: working yeah and um, but he was also just gone mm-hmm. and I would just be like hello zombie like he's just not in the room with us he's not yeah. present and that that terrified me because I'm just like especially you know with a child it's pretty obvious but everything they learn is through interaction everything that they do is learning every single waking moment of the day they're learning about their world so if suddenly you just give them a thing i mean i guess they're learning but (laughs) it's a different kind of learning isn't it and i don't know it's it's hard to figure out how to handle this shit because it ain't going to get easier
1: I have, I mean, in the most cynical thought of it is if there were string pullers, powers that be, particularly corporate enti- entities, yeah. you have two sides. You have tech people that go like, well, we can take a world where education is going to be at a, more of a premium and give them access to more things that they have unlimited opportunities to search and find and be intelligent in this new way yeah. where there is no more going, oh, I'll have to look that up. Nope. Got it. Got, got it, it immediately. Like the how, how could a species be smarter than that? But they the navy got rid of the sexton for navigating. They just use GPS coordinates now. They don't. There's no more like, all right, hold it here and look out where the horizon is, and then when the yeah. stars, no more need for that. Which is a very like humans using tools as opposed to humans just being like, well, there's something up in the sky that I'm. Kind it takes of tool away of it. your
2: your. Uh, there's something that is taking away from you. Your self reliance. Yeah. yeah, it's like when you learn to use the sexton or you 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 do that yourself you've had to learn how to use it right and there's something physical about it and you go like and there's a there's just a sense of um i mean you can't do that and not think of all it took to learn it yeah and if you're just using gps you're not necessarily thinking about that it's like this act of faith and if everything's just an act of faith like oh so it works i don't know yeah it's like there's a there becomes this divide between our lives in the sort of I don't know, uh, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's there's like a yearning. I think um, it's sort of like why people are drawn to LPs and stuff. It's like there's a yearning for an analog life, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, and just making things with your hands again because I think we need to be reconnected to the ingenuity of humans. Yeah. You know, it's it can't be this abstract. We have to like make things i've got to make things i've got to i was like really into tin type photo i I was like for because this graphic novel i'm doing takes place in in the sort of late 1800s early 1900s i was thinking would be a lot of fun to do tin type photos as like a promo thing to try to raise money uh and uh so i totally went deep into the rabbit hole on doing that and may mm-hmm. still do it one day because it's just awesome but it's yeah. there's something so satisfying about that like you can just make an image on a piece of metal or a piece <laughs> of glass you know and it's like it's going to be imperfect and it's going to be blurry uh you know it's the edges are going to be all messy and weird but it's uh you made it as yeah. opposed to just like i have five thousand pictures on my phone and they they the you know they're just i mean they're important because they're my son whatever but it's they don't quite have that like feeling of satisfaction of like a photo would have.
1: Oh yeah. The, all the things. Do you watch uh, primitive technologies on YouTube. Yeah. The most meditative sort of cathartic <laughs> thing to just like, ah, this is really relaxing. And I think it ties into some weird, like ephemeral, it's just something in our brains that goes, Oh yeah. We could do that. Nice. We could do that.
2: We could do that once.
1: Someone still knows how to do that and is pursuing that. And
2: you know what it is? As a, there's a lot of energy right now in our culture. Uh, this countervailing energy of by men tr- who are like, yeah, but what about men? You know, <laughs> and I think it's hard to like. It's hard to be like, oh yeah, what about oh, you know? To take that seriously, but I think it's legitimate um, to a point. It can be awful, obviously, but uh, I think the part of it that's legitimate is that. That I think men, in particular, there's a feeling of uselessness in our current society. You know, I mean, we you don't need us. What do you need us for? (laughs) You know, there's.
1: I mean, the trades, electricians, things like that. Right on that specifically only dudes. But those things are so not in vogue currently. That the people that are doing them, I think it's breeding this. I mean, who knows? But people that are in those trade schools, largely men, are looking around going like. Last bastion here. Yeah, I'm a welder. Yeah, I'm a. I work with my hands. I'm building the infrastructure.
2: I think about that as like I'm, right now we're doing some work on this house and and you know we've got these guys and they're working on the house and I think man that's fucking. I wish I could do something like that <laughs> because that just feels so satisfying to be able to just build. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna knock this wall out and put a door in. You know, I'm fucking... I do think that just so many guys are missing that right now. They're missing that that feeling of like, what did I do today?
1: When I was a horseshoer, I mean, guy. a lot of times it was, oh, I bought my daughter a horse. And now she's got to learn like what goes into it. But it'd be the parents. And a lot of times the dad would come by and they would just be beside themselves. Like, so you just... You just pick up his foot and he'll just give it to you. you go, well, I ask him, you know, but he, man, you, you, you farriers, your forearms, you got such big forearms. Can I take a picture? <laughs> like, yeah. All right, man. Like letting a grown man take pictures of my arms. <laughs>
2: of <your forearms. laughs> well, now isn't that exactly it though, right? Like he's fetishizing the symbol of you as someone who's doing something, mm-hmm. right? Totally. He,
1: I mean, he is, wa- he's successful by every measure. You know, he's can afford his daughter a horse and to stable it. And things that men would kind of go, yes, in the old patriarchal days, I've provided for a family. I built this home with my two hands and we raised
2: this progeny. It's crotchety. too abstract though. Like we're still, in, if you look at the like, course of evolution, I mean, we are not that far from when we were living in just, you know, tribes yeah. in the in the, you know, the fertile crescent. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it was really not that, evolutionarily, we're not even hardly any different yeah and so there's still this incredible it's that feeling of when you're out in the woods and you have a campfire of just like ah <laughs> yeah. you know because that's how we evolved and we're no different and so um i do think that there's a need in us as you know and women have this sort of thing it's slightly different i think but it's like there's a need to feel like i have a you know a, a use that i can Look at that! I can feel like I did a thing, yeah. And it's not just uh, I drove to a cubicle or an office and sat there, answered phones, and typed some things into a spreadsheet, and then went home. That doesn't feel like you did anything, yeah. And so this devaluation of that effort as being important in the home, you know, like yeah, you bring in the the income, but you know, whatever. Do you really do anything, you know? <laughs> and um, I I think it's creating this intense dissatisfaction with their lives that men are feeling right now, you know, and, uh, that needs to be addressed. I mean, I, I don't know. I look at like countries like Norway where they, a person can just become a garbage man or whatever. And there's no shame if that's what you want to do, because it's just like this sort of socialist society. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not like overly focused on ambition. And I think, yeah, that'd be great. Like, what if all you do want to do is, is build a house, but, but you have this need to be really rich. You're not going to do that. But if it doesn't matter, yeah. Am I making sense right now? Am I rambling? <laughs> I feel like I am, but you know what I'm saying.
1: I do. I, I remember being at a bar when I was in Austin and I was no longer horseshoeing. And this girl uh, said, what do you do? And I said, oh, right now I'm substitute teaching. And she goes, oh, that's noble. But she said it in such a way of like, oh, you're willing to be so poor, but at least you're kind of helping out the kids. And I was, I, it, it was a weird feeling that occurred to me of like, oh, she just kind of demeaned me. Yeah. She just sort of, it, she might as well have, I don't know what it is there, but it, it, looking back on and even at the time, I think of. A, I was aware of it, of like, this is a, sort of a male-driven yeah. kind of ego, frontal lobe. Hey, what? Hey. Yeah. You know, like, rather than like, yeah, I, I guess it's noble. Okay.
2: I mean, the thing is, like, when I think about it, obviously I love writing and I want to do that, but if I were to think, well, how would I want to spend my day? You know, it, I would want to spend it like, I would if I could do my day exactly the way I wanted, it it would be like four hours of writing and six hours uh, in a metal foundry. (laughs) I would love to learn how to do, you know what I mean? And just doing lost wax castings and you know, how to put patinas on fucking bronze sculptures and shit like that. Like, but that doesn't pay shit. Like you can't do, you can't, you know, I make good money in a, in a fucking office. So I continue to do that. But, um,
1: I think that goes back to like the initial question of, you know, with running and everything, like willing your mind to take your mental state, et cetera, to a place you want to be, or can you, can you be in the boat where it just kind of goes in a direction where you're like, well, that's what I do. And it's successful, you know? I think everyone's battling that constantly. Uh-huh. I'd maybe, I think I might be happier if I was actually out there chopping down trees. And, and you probably would though. For maybe a day or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then maybe you'd go, well, this is repetitive. Every day I just chop down the trees. <laughs> well,
2: right. <laughs> if your passion is chopping down trees and it's what you chose to do with your life, I don't think you would get tired of it.
1: But are people's passions now the feeling? Like, oh, I'm passionate about the feeling that I think that thing will give me. If I do this hobby, if I have this career, if I pursue this activity.
2: I think it's all about whether um, it's, and maybe I'm bringing my own stuff to bear here, but it's, uh, I think it's, was it, did you come up with it through ego or did you come up with it through a genuine following of your bliss? Like if it's ego, if it's like, no, this is what I want to be because I want, I like what that is, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be, I want to be a writer because I want to be regarded as a you know a writer of the great american novel or whatever then that's coming at it that will not make you i don't think that would make you happy but if it's just you just find yourself wanting to write and you like love the process and you're just doing it then i don't think you would ever get tired of it but it's hard to know the difference i think yeah you know because it requires knowing what's motivating you and that sometimes is pretty fucking hard (laughs) you You know brother yeah well yeah. Well, I,
1: uh, we're go, I was just gonna say we're out of beer. I don't know if you want to keep going, do a little, but we're we've, we're uh, time wise, we have fulfilled our. We punched in. We punched in, and I, I, your contract, you've fulfilled. You know, you filled out your contract, so I, you're legally allowed to adjourn. But we can. I mean,
2: we can keep going. Be, okay. I mean, if I'm still interesting to people, I think. <laughs> I feel like I'm all over the place. We'll do a little
1: bonus tag. There you go. It goes on. Apologies to those of you who uh, do not contribute to the Patreon. However, that was like two hours of um, extended chatting, and I hope you enjoyed it. I really did. And if you want to hear more of it, the Patreon is a way to do that. It's a place for bonus episodes, bonus content, extended chats from phone conversation, things like that. Maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff of what's going on in my life, some updates, and what have you. So if that's of interest... Thanks again, and thanks to those of you who do contribute. The show is devoid of ads, something I'm quite fond of. You don't have to get interrupted by some stupid product that uh, the host inevitably has rarely ever tried. I'll tell you that from experience. They almost never have, and the things we did try, I mostly disliked them. So I don't like the duplicity involved in doing that personally. Obviously, I understand it's the nature of the game, but not here. Little... Uh, Respite from that So thanks to those of you who do support the show through Patreon Thanks to Dan for putting it together Thanks to Rob Crow for the wonderful Theme song And I'm sure I'm forgetting something Who knows The Junk Show's back September 9th School's back in session Uh, I hope it goes safely this year There's a little uh, Bit of whatever out into the energy Hoping that that is the case Maybe you can contribute some positive energy To that as well and let's get out of here with a song I've probably been meaning to play since I started this show and Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, I like that song I don't hear it that much, though And it, it seemed to never get a lot of um, attention But I think it's quite good It's from uh, Roadside Graves It's called Song for a Dry State Hope you like it Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave
3: We're Gonna pass by the roadside graves Crosses and flames Just drive Watch the scenery change All the mountains They all look He's getting jealous She's a fine girl Only cursed with three